In the wee hours of the morning, on October 19, 1996, under the cloak of darkness, 35-year-old Hayden Poulter carried out a heinous and brutal crime. In a frenzied state of rage, he viciously attacked and violated 21-year-old Natasha Hogan, a young and vulnerable sex worker. As he mercilessly struck her with his belt buckle, tightened his grip around her neck, and rained down deadly blows with a massive rock, he cruelly snuffed out the life of an innocent soul. For someone like Hayden, it seems that Natasha's life held no value in his eyes. Perhaps he even regarded the lives of all women with the same contempt. That fateful spring morning, he had spent his time scarring the local bars with a sinister motive. To, in his own words, find a to kill. Unfortunately, Natasha became his unsuspecting prey. And even as she barely hung on for dear life, Hayden carelessly admitted to the police, the wouldn't die. After the brutal murder, Hayden made his way to a public toilet to clean himself up before returning to his home, which was a small caravan located behind the residence of Trudy's sister, Donna Spires. If you recall from the previous episode, Hayden had a girlfriend named Trudy Spires, whom he met while in rehab. The two of them had left rehab before completing their treatment and had been living together ever since. Side note, rehab didn't work. They continued to abuse drugs and alcohol, which made it extremely difficult for them to stay sober. Two months ago, Trudy was sent to prison for an armed robbery she had committed. This broke Hayden's heart. Their love for each other may not have been like fairy tales, but it was genuine. Losing his girlfriend, followed by his home, left Hayden feeling devastated and fueled his desire for revenge. Inside the caravan, Hayden meticulously washed his leather jacket, which was drenched in Natasha's blood. The next day, when Donna Spires returned from her night shift at 7am, she immediately noticed that Hayden had taken care of his laundry and the leather jacket that was once bloodstained was hanging. She said, The first thing I noticed was he'd done his washing. It was hanging on the line, and his leather jacket was washed and hanging there too. I just thought, what a stupid male to wash a leather jacket. Fancy putting it through the machine. I'd never have thought he'd just killed someone. And there was blood all over the jacket. For the next few days, Hayden remained out of sight leaving no trace of his whereabouts. On October 25th, 1996, the same day that the anonymous letter arrived at the New Zealand Herald's newsroom, Hayden Poulter took all of his stuff and left the caravan. Miss uh, <clears throat> Spires, tell me about what you saw in the caravan. All his stuff was gone. Everything. So he must have taken it that morning when he went to work. Donna wouldn't know it at the time, but Hayden was making his way to a massage parlor with a large 16-centimeter knife concealed in his pocket. He was looking for his next victim. You're listening to Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by 1UP Media. This episode contains scenes of graphic imagery and violence. Listener discretion is advised.
The Institute for Economics and Peace is a research organization that conducts in-depth studies on peace and conflict around the world. One of their most well-known reports is the Global Peace Index, which is a comprehensive assessment of the relative peacefulness of different countries. According to the Global Peace Index for the year 2021, New Zealand has been ranked as the second safest country in the world, a position it has held since 2019. In fact, New Zealand has been among the top five countries in the Global Peace Index since 2008. This ranking is based on a variety of factors, including levels of violence and crime, political stability, and the effectiveness of law enforcement and justice systems. New Zealand's strong performance in these areas has earned its spot as one of the safest countries in the world. But it wasn't always that way. During the 1990s, New Zealand suffered a period of rampant violence, marked by incidents of mass shootings, serial killings and hate crimes. One particularly difficult year was 1997, when the country was rocked by one of the most gruesome incidents in its history, the Rorimu Massacre. This brutal event occurred in the quiet town of Rorimu, where a shooter named Stephen Anderson opened fire, killing six innocent people and injuring four others. The magnitude of this tragedy shook the entire country, and the memory of it has remained vivid in the minds of New Zealanders ever since. But the year before, in 1996, New Zealand witnessed firsthand the crimes of what has been referred to as the country's first ever serial killer. On Saturday, the 26th of October, 1996, Hayden Poulter entered Cleopatra's massage parlor. Hello, sir. How can I help you? Do you have an appointment? Herbert Norris, the manager, asked Hayden. After some small talk, Norris then presented Hayden with a choice between two Thai masseuses, <laughs> one of whom was a woman named Lara Nymphet. After considering his options, Hayden seemed to show interest in Lara and paid $50 for an hour-long session. The two of them then left for a spa room located nearby. At the end of the hour, Hayden asked for additional time and booked another hour. Upon hearing this, Lara exited the room to confirm the extension with the manager before proceeding to prepare some coffee. While doing so, she commented to her colleagues about the additional hour, expressing her sympathy for Hayden by saying, It's no problem. I feel sorry for him. Little did Lara know, that as she stepped back into the room and shut the door, she was about to come face to face with hell. Moments later, loud banging sounds echoed from within the walls of the spa room. The frenzied screams of Lara could be heard piercing through the air. The other Timasus and Herbert Norris were alerted by the commotion and immediately rushed towards the door, their hearts pounding with fear and dread. This is a news excerpt from the New Zealand Herald describing the events of the attack. As Mr. Norris stands outside the spa room, the door suddenly opens and the customer stands naked with a large knife in his hands. He stabs Mr. Norris in the forehead before pulling the knife out and turning it on the other Thai masseuse, stabbing her in the arm, chest and back. Despite this frenzy, the customer notices Mr. Norris has writhed away. He straddled him and stabs him repeatedly in the chest and upper body area before returning to the spa room 
he stabs Lara Nymphert a further two times in the chest before dressing and fleeing out a second floor window. An eyewitness later tells police that when Hayden walked across the car park, he walked with purpose and was determined, but did not seem nervous. On that day, all three victims suffered from multiple stab wounds. Unfortunately, Herbert Norris and Lara Nymphert did not survive their injuries. However, Ankana Chaisamret, the other masseuse present at the scene, survived the attack. In the evening of that fateful day, Hayden Poulter made his way to the Auckland Central Police Station. He had a limp, and it was evident that he had sustained a leg injury during his escape from Cleopatra's. Upon reaching the police station, he approached the front desk and asked to speak to a constable about important matters. <coughs> excuse me, excuse me, excuse me, officer, Hayden said to an officer that had his back towards him. Yes, sorry about that. How can I help? Hayden's clothes and hair was in disarray. He had bruises and cuts, as well as some swelling on his face and body. However, it was the bloodstains on his clothes that drew the officer's attention. The officer eyed Hayden's disheveled appearance warily, his hand instinctively inching towards his gun. Wait, listen to me, Hayden interrupted. Get me a constable. I need to speak with a constable. It's regarding important matters. Officers then led Hayden to a room for a videotaped confession. The room was dimly lit, with a small table and a few chairs placed around it. Hayden took a seat as the officers set up the video equipment to record his statement. He appeared to be visibly distressed and agitated, with his clothes stained with blood and his face contorted with fear and guilt. The atmosphere was tense and the officers were on high alert, not knowing what to expect from him. Once the recording had begun, Hayden began to speak, his voice shaky and uneven. Hayden confessed and provided the officers with a detailed account of the day's events, including his confession to killing 21-year-old Natasha Hogan a few days prior. He vividly described the heinous acts he committed and the gruesome details of the stabbings that took place in the massage parlour. Hayden said that the employees at the massage parlour were part of a gang that was plotting against him. Perceiving the imminent danger, he made the decision to take their lives. As the officers listened to the details of the crime, they were filled with an overwhelming sense of shock and horror. Hayden also stated that he had no memory of the week that elapsed between Natasha Hogan's murder and the attack at the massage parlour. According to him, his alter ego, referred to as Hell, was responsible for driving him to commit the heinous crimes. This is what he said on record. I don't, I don't want to keep doing it. I keep on doing it. It's not good. I know it's not good. I know I need help in some sort of way or another. I done wrong. I suppose it is irrelevant. People don't really care. Moreover, he also confessed that after killing Natasha, his personality named Hell became even more savage and bloodthirsty. Do it again, he kept saying. You've already done it. You've been blooded. It's easy now. <laughs> Despite his actions, Hayden did express remorse. He understood 
that his actions had caused irreparable harm to the families and loved ones of those he had murdered, and that nothing he could do would change what had happened. On September 1st, 1997, Hayden Tyrone Poulter entered a guilty plea in the High Court to the rape and murder of Natasha Hogan, as well as the murders of Herbert Norris and Lara Nymphert. Three days later, on the 4th of September 1997, Hayden returned to the High Court for sentencing. This is a statement he prepared, read aloud by his lawyer to the court. It's been almost a year, and I'm still struggling to come to terms with it all. I am constantly plagued and tormented with bad dreams. For me, it is a punishment on its own, and something I have to live with for the rest of my life. The remorse I have within me is genuine and deep, especially for Natasha, as her life was a lot like mine, filled with abuse and violence. I do not care if no one believes what I'm saying, but I need to say how sorry I am. I am sorry, Natasha. I am sorry, Lada. I am sorry, Herbert. I am so very sorry. At the end of the hearing, Hayden Poulter was sentenced to life imprisonment with a non-parole period of 15 years. Fourteen years had passed since Hayden was sent to prison. After being eligible for parole in 2011, Hayden confessed that he had created the persona of hell because he couldn't face the reality of his own actions. He later acknowledged that his drug addiction was the main cause of his crimes. In 2014, the parole board noted some progress but still felt that Hayden had a long way to go before his release. However, after participating in several controlled releases and receiving positive feedback, the board proposed his release in June 2018 to a rural address with family members and work provided. Hayden would be subjected to 11 parole conditions for life and 15 special conditions for five years, including GPS monitoring and a ban on contacting his victims, the media, or prostitutes. A violation of any of these conditions would result in a breach of parole, carrying a maximum penalty of a year's imprisonment. Hayden Poulter was eventually released from prison in June 2018, 22 years after becoming New Zealand's first serial killer. Records state that he changed his name to John Leon Lorenzo and moved in with his sister, where he started a landscaping business. Throughout his release, there were no major issues that were reported, but towards the end of August 2018, there were reports that he had resumed taking drugs and was allegedly considering staging his own death to evade his parole conditions. After only two months of being released, Hayden Poulter was recalled to prison. The exact reason for his recall has not been disclosed publicly, but many suspect that it was a breach in his parole, possibly a drug relapse or an attempt to solicit a prostitute. Less than a month later, on the 24th of September, 2018, an article was published by the New Zealand Herald. Hayden Poulter, 56, was found dead in his cell. The prison director could not confirm specifics about the dead inmate. He was found by staff at Unlock on Saturday morning. Staff provided immediate assistance, but the prisoner was unable to be revived. While Hayden's crimes were horrific and never something to be taken lightly, it's important to recognise that sometimes people can learn from such a situation. 
Hayden's crimes have brought about a renewed focus on issues such as the risk of violence and exploitation on sex workers in the country. It has prompted a wave of activism and advocacy, with many individuals and organizations coming together to push for change and reform. In response to the tragic deaths of Natasha Hogan, Herbert Norris, and Lara Nymphert, all of whom worked in the sex industry, several measures have been put in place to protect sex workers. In 2003, the New Zealand government passed the Prostitution Reform Act, which entirely decriminalized prostitution in the country. This decision was met with significant debate and controversy. Some critics argued that the change would mean a massive wave of prostitutes roaming around the streets, with some even saying, The community has had enough. It's not fun to come out in the morning and have to clean up condoms lying in your garden and on the fence. Despite these criticisms, the government emphasised that the Act's main goal is to protect the human rights of sex workers and prevent their exploitation. There was never any intention to promote or condone prostitution, but rather to establish a system that safeguards the well-being of sex workers. Thank you for tuning in to this episode of Heinous, an Asian true crime podcast brought to you by MediaCorp and produced by 1UP Media. If you would like to share some feedback or suggest other cases that you would like us to cover, head on down to our website at asiantruecrimepodcast.com. This episode was researched, produced and written by Yo Gong Jin with audio engineering by Ethan Sam. Special thanks to executive producer Danny Cordy from MediaCorp. We hope to see you again soon in the next episode of Heinous.